0: Hello, uh, Mr. Lovenstein.
1: Love and marriage. Doom, 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 doom.
0: Were you just in my fight?
1: No. Oh. Just, oh, I was thinking of what's an appropriate tune to start off this episode with.
0: Um, in the Frank Sinatra version or the married children version?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting, actually. I was just talking to someone about this song, I Did It My Way, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, Frank Sinatra, who is singing that after having a successful career and achieving many great things in his life, him saying that is very different than, like, some, let's say, less fulfilled person who didn't maximize their potential, saying, well, I did it my way. Well, yeah, you did it your way, and you oh. sort of lost.
0: Or somebody yes that's true but again that's all objective or or there was a kid who literally read it as their high school graduation speech so I that mean, was classic <laughs> you have both sides of the spectrum um so uh,
1: yeah and by the way like to think that at the end of high school anything you've accomplished is uh, going to dictate like your future path in life and the way you're going to <laughs> is so it's such a innocence of children type of thing
0: yeah um, among other things, but we, we're going to get into that a different time. Um, but this is the Weekly 4 podcast with Stephen Mitchner and Yosef, who I haven't seen. Uh, first, a shout-out to our n- new listener, Robert Levy. Don't know if you can listen to this one, but I uh, hope you find these enjoyable. Um, we Hopefully, we'll get to the point where we have so many listeners, we don't have to think each time we have a new one.
1: Those are ambitious and aspirational goals.
0: Yeah, it's it's it, it. We're trying to set the bar <laughs> a little higher than where it currently is. So,
1: well, let's not forget my mom, our most uh loyal listener.
0: Mm. Um, so you started with the first topic, so happy to speak about the AL wildcard race.
1: Yeah, so. Why don't you talk about that, and I'll share my perspective on the Blue Jays.
0: <laughs> Basically, he wrote down that the Blue Jays are in it and needs me to talk about baseball. So the Blue Jays have had a pretty solid run up till now. Uh, they started the season slow, kind of made a lot of progress. They are currently one game behind the Red Sox and Seattle, who are tied ahead of them for the second wild card spot. They lost the Yankees tonight, keeping them... Uh, one game behind. If they had beaten the Yankees tonight, they would have been a three way tie currently for that second wild card spot. And the Yankees are two ahead of Toronto right now. So, um, three games left in the baseball season. Toronto's a game out. A lot can happen. Um, and if these are tied, um, then it gets into some crazy tiebreakers and games. But it's, um, there will be, if people are tied, it's not like they're going to they're going to play a game in order to make the playoffs. So um, the Blue Jays are still in thick thick of it, but losing to the Yankees tonight did not help their cause.
1: And that's my point. It's just so unbelievable. Like, why can't they just get into the playoffs without, like, having to, like, upset every last chance that they have and just barely make it through? Like (sighs) – Because
0: they're not that good yet. Right. I I mean, They have a really, really good young player in Vlad Guerrero Jr., got Bichette, who's been hitting really well. Um, they've got a good team, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, and Simeon's been incredible for them at second base with his power. So they've got a good team, but they're still, they're still, um, they still need help.
1: Yeah, no, fair. Um, I didn't know any of that, but that sounds very logical. Yeah. Um...
0: Yeah, actually, sorry, they're th- yeah they're three behind the Yankees, so the Yankees are two up on Boston and Seattle, and three up on Toronto. So the Yankees are in very very good position as long as they probably win one. I think they win uh, one or t- they win one more game, Toronto can't catch them. Uh, but it's uh, it's quite cracking up to be a very cool baseball weekend this weekend before the playoffs start. Yeah, um, and, and and more positive news The Astros clinched tonight by winning So we won the division And if we win one more game Or Chicago loses one more game We will host a first round series Against the White Sox here Starting on Wednesday Thursday, well, c- Thursday
1: Congratulations to you and to us I mean the Astros are my second team After the Blue Jays But um, you're definitely a bigger fan of theirs So congrats on their win
0: I already bought playoff tickets so.
1: Very exciting Um by the way, the 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 um the confidence you had in their ability to make it to the playoffs, you actually put your I don't know if I want it's not money, your um your experiences where your mouth is when you forfeited going to a different event on the condition that you'd be able to go to Astros playoff games. And you had to have believed truly believe that that's i mean we had a pretty big right.
0: we had a pretty big lead it wasn't like i uh it wasn't like i didn't know what the standings looked like but um yeah and it's already paying off dividends so um because i am planning on going to the game one at a minimum so very cool um what did i want to say to you? you um i yes <laughs> So, yeah, so I want to talk about the Astros Country, which was cool to watch. They won it very tight game three to two tonight. Um, they got to the clinch at home, which is nice, and they didn't back their way into it, which is even cooler. It's not like they had to rely on Seattle to lose. They won, so now we have won the division, and we are in. so I don't have to scoreboard watch. I just want one more win or one Chicago loss over the next three days. so um that so that way we definitely have the home game, and the first game would be Wednesday rather than Sunday. Nice. So we'll see what happens. Um, the other thing is that I, very smartly, not only ha- don't have it on my phone, I emailed myself a picture of our topic list so I can pull it up on my computer.
1: You know, don't you have multiple devices?
0: That's what I'm doing. So I'm not pulling it up on my phone, so I have it up on my computer.
1: You also have an iPad.
0: Um, Gabe had it downstairs. I don't know where it is.
1: All right playing fair enough well i i it's it's a hack but i'll accept it
0: um and the other thing that just happened is the Bengals just beat the jaguars on thursday night football so the jaguars with their rookie quarterback this is an amazing stat his entire high school and college career he only lost four games his first four games in the nfl four losses so the nfl is not like high school and college um so He's literally owned 4 and he only lost four games. The rookie quarterback for the Jaguars, the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, four games his entire high school and college career, already lost four games in the NFL in his first four. So
1: Which validates our original point that at the end of high school, you really don't know anything about anything.
0: Yeah. What, what a great tie-in to something you managed, uh, talked about before. Although he finished college too with only four losses and high school combined, which is really nuts. So, um,
1: Wait, his entire college career, he only had four losses?
0: In football and high school combined, correct.
1: Did he not play many
0: games? No, they play, he played a ton of games. I think it was like 70 and four for his entire high school and college career. And he's now 0 and four in the NFL.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. That's really interesting.
0: Yeah, um, it's, I mean, football really is a team game. He had incredible teams in college and high school, and he's a great quarterback, at least at that level. Um, but they did not win. And uh, I have a friend who's a big Bengals fan, so I'm very happy for him tonight because they, they needed this win. They could, it would have been bad to lose to Jacksonville at home.
1: Well, congrats to your Bengals friend, and make sure you tell him that we congratulated him on the podcast so he listens to it.
0: Oh, that's not a bad idea. Um So the other sports anniversary is, so today is the first televised American football game in history on NBC in 1939. It was between Fordham University and Waynesburg. I've never even heard of Waynesburg University, but Fordham in New York. And approximately 1,000 televisions tuned in for the game. So New York area, that's the only place it was, um, and there was 1,000 TV's. Uh, that tuned in for this college game. So the World's Fair had just happened in 39, and that kind of started commercial broadcasting. I was reading about this because I found it fascinating. I find the history of television fascinating. And 82 years later, um, we literally, TVs are everywhere. It's, it's, it's amazing that it was only 82 years ago that the first real sports broadcast, as I'm watching a broadcast from Cincinnati in high definition uh, 80 years later, um, that there were only a 1,000 televisions in the New York City area tuned into the first televised football game.
1: I'm going to say something positive and something negative. The positive is they don't even count views by TVs anymore. It's screens, right? How many screens are, are watching? Because you could watch it on your computer, on your Correct. phone, on your tablet, on your smart refrigerator if you wanted to. The um, The negative is... How come they're not broadcasting in 4K?
0: Well, I don't know if that's a negative. I just think that there's still so few people. I don't think 4K, enough people have the 4K TVs um, yet. Um, I also don't know if the technology for – it's a great question, but I I think there's probably just not enough 4K televisions yet out there. I'm sure they'll get there eventually.
1: Imagine watching these games on 4K on your television. I mean, that's a great – that will be a great experience
0: um and and the crazy thing is so eight years after that american football game the first world series televised game ever was eight years later so from 39 to 46 they didn't tell i mean world war ii was going on so probably had a little bit more important things to televise if they were going to televise anything but the first televised world series was in 1947 which f- featured the first african-american um player in a world series who was jackie robinson also on today in history so how September- many people watch that a lot more. By 47, there was a lot more televisions. It was a national broadcast. Um, um, I think so. Uh, more up and down the East Coast, but um, post-war televisions buying in the late 40s and early 50s is kind of when it went national. But, um, mm. um, And uh, this switches us to our last on this day topic before we go on to on this day tomorrow because there's a lot of big events that happen on October 1st, which is tomorrow, which is when East Coast time, this podcast will be posted. So while it's still September 30th on the East Coast and here in Central Time, a happy 76th birthday to Ehud Olmert, one of the most infamous prime ministers in Israeli history. And I have an amazing Ehud Olmert story that I don't know if you know about. Please tell. So when Ehud Olmert was mayor of jerusalem i remember that he came to houston to houston holocaust museum um he, holocaust museum houston had him here um or i, I think uh for an event positive I, I we actually have a picture my grandfather wrote a book in his memoirs we have a family picture with him in that book so that's how i know about it so that trip to the united states that he came from israel he went to two or three different american cities he came to houston went prior to New York, went one other place, and all at events. And what Mr. Olmert did, or, Prime Minister, or later Prime Minister Olmert did, he charged the full amount of that trip to each of the three institutions. He didn't uh. split it. And that, my friend, is what he ended up going to jail for. So my picture with Ehud Olmert in my grandfather's book with our family always reminds me, if you're going to go on a trip somewhere, and you're going to go to three different places. You can't charge each place the full boat because you end up going to jail. And that is one of the things Ahad Omer ended up going to prison for. And thus far, and hopefully will always be, the only Israeli prime minister to end up in jail.
1: You're not including presidents?
0: No, prime minister.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: Pretty cool story, huh? Uh...
1: Uh-huh. That is really interesting, and I never really thought about that. But that's crazy, also that he came here and
0: yeah, ah, uh, Houston is dishonesty. Houston is partially responsible for a downfall uh, of one of Israel's most well-known politicians.
1: Well, I don't actually think it was the, was it the legal stuff that ruined his prime ministership. I think he just got voted out.
0: No, 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 no. The, the, it was what happened here is why he went to jail,
1: right? But that's not why he stopped being prime minister. He stopped being prime minister because he was just a bad prime minister. Correct. Which is ironic in itself um, interesting i mean i I was okay with him until he became basically until he became prime minister
0: yeah, he apparently was a pretty good um, uh mayor of Jerusalem, but uh talk about dishonest um,
1: yeah that's pretty uh that's pretty obnoxious um, yeah.
0: yeah, he actually was the head of What's it called? He lost in the election to Netanyahu, I think, because he he left Likud in 06. I have to look up more. of. um, He became acting prime minister after what happened to Sharon. Right. And then he was elected chairman of Kadima. Right. um, Rather than stay... um, 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 So rather than go back to Likud. And then uh, Kadima won 29, but he couldn't form a government. Um, and then Netanyahu took over. Right. I think. Hold on. I'm, I'm reading this right now. Oh, no. He did become. He did form it. And then he stepped down. Uh, Kadima, he resigned, actually, once, uh, once his party elected a new leader. He resigned from Kadima because of the corruption. Yeah, oh, because, wasn't of corruption. because of the
1: corruption.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh.
1: There you go. Sometimes because even one of the Israel reasons. is a uh, responsible democracy.
0: Yeah. So, um, happy
1: happy birthday, Udi!
0: Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty cool, uh, pretty cool uh, story. So, yeah, happy birthday, and enjoy the fact that you're not currently in jail. (laughs) Um, um, Our next topic then brings me to kind of some happier things: Um, uh, Disney World. It is the 50th anniversary of Disney World um, on October 1st, which is tomorrow. I'm sure there will be a big event at the Magic Kingdom um, tomorrow. I'm sure Disney will broadcast live. I haven't seen anything above it, but uh, 50th anniversary of Orlando theme parks at Walt Disney World and the Magic Kingdom opening. So, um, again, not not um, not Disneyland, which started it all, but um, kind of an amazing think of what they created in Orlando Um, it's twice the size of Manhattan Disney property in Orlando. It's um, just an amazing thing. They're the largest employer in the state of Florida. Um, What, what they have done um, is transform Orlando into a powerful city um, as well as a place where millions and millions of families have gone and taken their kids and given them experiences that kids will always remember and be grateful for. I mean, now first as a kid and now as a parent, uh, I'll say that some of the happiest memories I have is taking my kids there and going as a kid. So um, that is kind of what I have to say about that. So
1: I agree. The Magic Kingdom is probably the closest to being in a, in a truly magical, you know, made-up place um as possible on this on this planet so i definitely i definitely agree it's a special place and you know one of the stats you mentioned was regarding the employer and what actually caught my eye about this whole thing of this story was that there's a group of employees at disney world who have been employees there for fifty years?
0: Oh, really? That's amazing. I will. I, if you could send me that article, I'd love to read that.
1: Sure, absolutely. So it's it's a like there's a fifty year club, and it's not just one; it's a few of them. Right. And um, well, I'll send it to you right now. But I guess you won't be able to read it because then you'll break the podcast. Um, but they, you know, are the people that started working there at this, and they've they've built careers there. And yeah. Yeah, there's basically, I think it's three of them. Um, or at least three of them that were amongst the first 6,000 employees at Magic Kingdom.
0: Wow. 50 years later. It's kind of amazing.
1: It's um, crazy.
0: Yeah, especially if they started, let's say they were 22, 23 years old, they're 72 now. So mm-hmm. um, uh, we actually have a family picture um, in front of the castle when they turned into a giant birthday cake for its 25th. That's and I cool. want to take my kids and get a picture in front of the castle bow that it's golden for the 50th. Hopefully, sometime over the next year, um, I'm sure I'll hopefully get to take them and get that same picture with my kids. So that's one of the things I'd really like to do, because it's really the passage of 25 years' time, at least in my head, is kind of incredible. So, Even
1: though it's a speck of dust in the grand scheme of history.
0: Yep, but not in the scheme of Disney history.
1: Fair enough. So I think that's pretty cool. So And and the first day they had 10,000 visitors, and now... They get that in the first like hour and a half of opening, <laughs> so um, it's, it's pretty cool, and it's it's a pretty it's amazingly run, also. So, they deserve credit. No,
0: and it's and there are tons of books. I highly recommend anybody to read like um all the books about what makes Disney Disney and kind of uh, from Walt all the way down and just had some very good leadership. And they like everything, there were ebb and flows to them, but the reinvesting in their parks, the reinvesting, and by creating more, it's not like they just stuck with the Magic Kingdom. The buying all that land. Um it, it's just an incredible company. And then their international growth, um, they're basically on I think they're on three or four different continents. You've got Disney Europe, you've got Disney in Asia. Um so yeah. um just just really an incredible, multi-diversified company. Disney Plus, I think, is the largest streaming service in the world right now. Love Disney Plus. Um and uh it's they've really kind of always been on that cutting edge of new technology and to never be satisfied and to keep growing so
1: yeah no they they deserve credit for what they've done
0: yeah pretty amazing and they've got a lot of cool things happening for their 50th so um i literally was going through it with gabe my four and a half year old and he's just so excited to go. Literally, he wanted to go through all the maps of the parks with me to see where all the rides were. So
1: that's amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Growing up. He's grown up.
0: Yeah. The other crazy thing is it is also October 1st, the 90th anniversary of the opening of the George Washington Bridge, um, famous for its traffic and shut down by Governor Chris Christie. Um <laughs> Um, but the GWB, if you really think about it, the fact that bridges made in 31, um, which is which is amazing because that was even before um, Roosevelt was in office that was actually under Hoover is when it was completed. Um, so it wasn't part of that big works project, but literally linking New Jersey, New York um, for cars, um, way different, I'm sure in 31 than it looked today, but really, really, monumental in terms of creating the beginning of that New York City suburbs um, in New Jersey and opening that up and creating all these towns around it and, and, and transforming Manhattan from an island, really, to being the center of New York City with suburbs around it.
1: So one of my favorite documentaries is about the bridges of New York City. Uh, because, you know, like you said, like, this is in 1930, but these bridges have all gradually evolved and developed, I and mean, even the way they built them over time, right? Um, wires, you know, the, the early bridges were all built out of stone, and then you see the later ones are built out of steel, and then gradually it's, like, less steel and more steel wire, and all kinds of things that, you know, as they learned how to build bridges better, and you can build them longer and more stable and more secure, less people died building them, et cetera. Um, Do you know the name of it? I can find it, but I would guess if you Google documentary New York City bridges, you would probably find it.
0: No, I, I did that and I couldn't. I think it was there National was a,
1: Geographic. If there was a
0: BBC one. You think it was National Geographic?
1: For some reason, I think that. But
0: Ken Burns did one on just the Brooklyn Bridge.
1: And so this is about the history of the bridges, and I'll find it. And then, um, and so what's interesting about the GWB, I remember this, and this is based on a memory from probably like 12 years ago seeing this documentary. Um, when they built the JW bridge, it was only one level and only like one, like, mm-hmm. but they built it so that it could be expanded and extended to where it is today. And in oh, I assume 19- it was probably
0: one lane in each direction when they first opened it.
1: And then, and then they were able to, ex- uh, maybe it was two in each direction, but then they were added to upper levels and lower levels. And then they added in like yeah. other parts to it also. So they built this so that they would be able to expand with need, which was, um, no, that
0: was some good foresight. That. It's too bad it's not server. about four four levels right now. Or, yeah. or, I mean, that, that thing is literally constantly tra- – I mean, whenever I'm trying to go from my in-law's house into Manhattan, it's a disaster. Going out, typically you're okay unless you're at a really high traffic point of day, but whenever you need to cross that bridge going in, it's always it's always packed. It's pretty amazing. So
1: Well, the, um, and the worst part about that, and this is just in general, it's so horrible about New Jersey is that you can – so then you say, okay, well, then I'm going to plan the time, right? So you're like, I'm going to leave an extra hour ahead of time, so I'm not stressing or whatever. And that time when you do that, the bridge is clear, and you fly in, and now all of a sudden you're in Manhattan with like an hour to kill.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, Waze has helped with that a little bit, but even that, literally, I've had Waze be – Five minutes, I've made it in. but It's a five to seven minute thing early, but I've also been in 20 minutes after Waze has told me because traffic got worse. So, But it, it is helpful to cut down on that time now, um, kind of Google uh, Maps and Waze. But, um, it's
1: funny, actually, now you talk about it because when I left New York, it was 2008. So yeah, that
0: wasn't around.
1: Yeah, none of that. Whenever I've gone back there, I've always... Like, you know, it's been for work, so i would just Uber everywhere, but I guess I've rented a car. Yeah, I've never really used like Google Maps or Ways in New York City. Hmm. Or barely ever.
0: Add that to average. your bucket list.
1: Absolutely. So happy birthday, Jordan GW Bridge. You are a and also by the way, if you're coming into Washington Heights to go to YU, the GW Bridge, it's like this uh
0: ah. Yeah. Make your way to, out. <laughs> I used to take
1: the yeah. I had an internship in Jersey, so I would walk to the bus terminal there, and I would take a bus over to T Neck.
0: Ah, the good old days. Oof. Um, and then kind of uh, on this day in history, there was a lot more October first. I, I, I encourage anybody listening to look up Wikipedia October first because there's so many crazy things that happened in history on this day it's also kind of the first day of the fourth quarter so a lot of things went into effect on this day but the last one that really i saw it's the 75th anniversary of sentencing at nuremberg um which again as far as i know
1: this is october 1st
0: yes october 1st um as which as far as i know is the first time i think the criminal justice system really was put not only to just punish one individual but the leadership of an entire country um, using the criminal justice system rather than just um, kind of some hastily constructed um, uh, military tribunal or um, just basically the whims of a population to kind of just uh, of, of the victor to just execute whoever they wanted. It was really using the criminal justice system to try to bring people to justice who, um, who who led Germany during World War Two, um, and all those horrors that and atrocities that were committed in Nazi Germany? Huh. Never really thought about that. I wonder
1: why they. I mean, I can think about why they would decide to go that route, but it's interesting that they did.
0: Yeah, but it was trying to offset the barbarianism with kind of where the world then wanted to be. Um, it's a trial at Nuremberg, famous movie. Um, really well done. I think it was in the late early sixties maybe. Um maybe been even earlier. Um I'm looking it right up right now. Trials at Nuremberg, 1961. Two points for Stephen. Um uh Spencer Tracy's in it, uh Burt Lancaster, that that I've looked up. Um but um and even Judy Garland. Um um but very famous film all about the judgment at Nuremberg so um, seventy fifth anniversary of that uh, today.
1: Well, I uh, I don't want to that. I mean, that's 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 a good point, and it's interesting that um, I still I never really thought about like, you know, you had in Italy where they just basically skinned Mussolini.
0: Yeah, they hung him. Um, yeah,
1: so. But I just actually saw an article, and it probably was in the context of this anniversary, about one of the female um, defendants, and how she had like fled the trial, and mm-hmm. they just caught her.
0: Yeah, I saw that come up. Yes. Um, she didn't she didn't flee Nuremberg she wasn't high up enough in the organization because again anybody who's still alive today there's no way they were higher up enough in the German organization to be tried at Nuremberg Um, but um, she did escape coming to justice there were tons and tons of other trials after Nuremberg but Nuremberg basically was for the entire real Nazi leadership all the guards, the, those all came afterwards, and that's what she escaped. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. Here we are 75 years after Nuremberg, and they were still finally catching people who escaped. Um, yeah. Being brought a to justice.
1: Secre- A former secretary of the SS commander for the Stutthof concentration camp right. skipped a planned start Thursday after her trial in Germany of more than 11,000 counts of accessory to murder. Uh, she basically tried to sneak out of Hamburg in a taxi on Thursday.
0: I mean, this woman's got to be in her 90s. 96. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty insane. Which means she was a secretary at like 19. Because if you think about it, it's 75 years since Nuremberg. Nuremberg was in 46. She was in a concentration camp as this person's secretary was like 44 44 is 77 years ago. 77 minus 96 equals 19.
1: 96 despite, minus 77. Despite her advanced age, the German woman was to be tried in juvenile court because she was under ah. 21 at yep. the time of the alleged crimes.
0: Correct. I just, with that math, 19. Well, well, two things. First, it's amazing that juvenile court in Germany is under 21, which is ridiculous. Um, I was just seeing an article today of this 17-year-old who stabbed his sister to death. Um, and there's, he's being tried as an adult. Um, so, I mean, to say 21 is a juvie, I think is a big stretch if you can fight in the army at 18 um, and even younger than a lot of Germans did, that it should be 18 at a minimum. I mean, at yeah. a maximum for juvenile court. Under 21 is ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Um, but, nonetheless, that's the situation and uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. So, 75 years later and we're still trying to make everyone be held accountable.
0: Yeah. Um, the next one is the debt limit and the government shutdown. So a government shutdown was avoided by the raising of the debt limit. There was a deal done. Um, the only thing that pisses Americans off more than increased debt is the government shutting down over it of not passing some bill, just raising the maximum. Um, I remember there was a shutdown in 1995 during the Clinton administration or 96, it was, it was 95 or 96 government shutdown. And I couldn't get a passport at the time because when there's a government shutdown, unless you have an emergency need, um, passport offices shut down, all these other things. So I couldn't go to my cousin's bar mitzvah in Israel. Um, But, but so whenever I think of government shutdown, I always come back to that. It ended up being okay. I think it was nine. It was 95. Because I went to the of 96. then
1: Because of an unraised debt limit or
0: whatever? I don't think so. I think they couldn't pass the budget. They couldn't. I, I think that's what it was. I mean, I'm, this is, I was nine at the time. So, but I think it was because they couldn't pass the budget reconciled. I, I think they couldn't get a budget passed. So they shut down the government. Crazy. Wow. Um, but what uh, you brought up the topic. So happy to hear your thoughts.
1: Well, it's it's one of these things that is really interesting to me because this debt limit becomes this whole point of argument and it becomes political and like it's basically a meaningless number at this point like it shouldn't be raised like irresponsibly but I just it's shocking to me how every It's a political
0: time, it's a political stunt now. It's not a real thing.
1: Yeah, and and um and the worst thing about it is that, you know, yes, you couldn't get a passport to go to your cousin's bar mitzvah in Israel, but yeah, the real ramifications for people that depend on their social security checks and all those other things that potentially or possibly don't show up. I mean, typically even
0: to, the sh- checks show up, as far as I remembered even last time. It typically is more government services that, that get shut soldiers down. don't
1: get paid.
0: No, they typically, I think, because this has happened before, and I think they made an emergency authorization that soldiers got. Like, even when it's a government shutdown, it's more about, um, I still think people are getting their checks. But that's all of that,
1: now. even still, if that... Okay, so that's good, it, it, but... A ton of issues. I mean, curious. It's just, and at a time like this, and it's such a nasty political play. Yeah. So, you know, yet again, it's just one of these things where the people playing politics don't really care about the small people and well, they just use them as pawns. Well, no, I
0: mean, that's... I mean, I wouldn't go that far because they did end up working at a deal. They use it as a political football... But I would agree that if they hadn't come to a deal, that that's definitely the case. I mean, the fact that they come to a deal eventually um, means that at the end of the day, they do care because people is who vote for them and they don't want to get thrown out of office. So that's the last thing they want to do. Exactly. Um, and and again, what this country really needs is term limits really, really badly. Um And Senator Cruz, a lot of people can agree with him or disagree with him and feel very strongly with him. But almost, I think it's like 80% of the country believes in term limits. And he has been a very outspoken person for it. Um, But there's been no movement on it. Um, And it's really a shame because with term limits, you get more new and fresh ideas in Congress, um, as well as the fact that it wouldn't just be the same people there for 40 or 50 years and entrenched. And it really, lobbyists would definitely have a, a different role um, as well as you get, I, I, I think it would potentially be a little more idealistic um, and and less of just politics as usual with the debt. With terms, by amounts.
1: the way, it doesn't have to be four years; it could be ten years. Oh no, no, years. it
0: would be no three terms. It could be f- it could be three terms for a senator, which would be eighteen years even, or two terms is twelve years. And for a house member, it could be six six or seven terms. It's yeah, not yeah. like you'd still have people there 12 years, but it keeps people laying there for 40 years insanity I, I think two terms i think 12 12 and 12 six terms as in congress and two terms as senator i think that's probably the perfect amount because yeah. you can then go from house to senate there's 24 years i mean then you have to figure out if it's consecutive or not you probably want to make sure it's a maximum and it's not just a consecutive because you don't want people flip-flopping back and forth also.
1: but apparently this is a constitutional issue
0: no i think you need a constitutional amendment to put in term limits Right. It's not a, um, I don't think it's, it's not a, because the constitution says nothing about it, so it's allowed, but, um, I'm, I'm, but, but that's what they did for president. Uh, president FDR served from uh, 33 to 45, and they put in a constitutional amendment limiting the presidency to only two terms or a maximum of 10 years. I mean, but like the other the thing
1: is, by the way, back to what I was saying about the not caring about people, like you're right. They reached an agreement. And at the end of the day, like they're always going to reach an agreement. So why? That's not true. Eventually, they reach an agreement. Well, sometimes a shutdown happens, right? But then eventually they reach an agreement. So Correct. why go through all of that just to prove who's more stubborn or who's stronger? Or who's no, to try to get
0: try to get try to get their political points across, right. or try to work out something in a deal. I mean, this is this actually gets perfect to the next thing. Um, the Democrats are currently are having an infighting over the infrastructure bill and Pelosi's vote because the the um, the far left progressive wing of the party um, doesn't want to vote and said they'd vote no unless this other bill gets reconciled into it and it becomes like one bill. Um, the uh, there's two different bills. I, I, I,
1: I've just it's like tried. social benefits and, exactly and infrastructure.
0: I, I normally am way more up on this stuff. I've just had such a headache when it comes to politics that I'm just not interested anymore
1: so I find it extremely entertaining
0: because yeah, you're not a citizen
1: well, well, actually, you know okay, so i'll well, we'll come to that at a different time but um the I find it interesting because. It's almost like they're so they're shameless in the their you know pursuit of their goals to an extent that's almost admirable. Like they're not even they're not even being subtle about it. Like they're just being so aggressive about what they want to accomplish and what they want done without any like consideration for the like long term. Economic... Yeah, I don't, I don't
0: I don't consider that admirable.
1: Well. They're admirable. That that's ignorance. But what's admirable is like their their dedication to get this done at almost any cost.
0: Well, they're not because they're they're willing to vote no. They they may tank the whole thing over their own stubbornness. That's right. Yeah. You that's know. true. I think they're going to get it done because they can't afford to not get this passed. Because who knows when? I mean, come November of twenty two, which is the midterm election, um, they may lose both the house and the Senate, and they won't be able to get anything done. So
1: right. They, well, yeah.
0: They have little more than a year. And, and again, come November 21, all of a sudden they're going to be talking every about about reelection again. So it's literally this first year is their best chance with a democratic president, a democratic house and a, and a 50, 50 Senate that because of Kam- Kamala Harris, um, goes Democrat, this is their best chance to get something done. Yeah, And yet they're still fighting. Yep. Well, the Republican Party already gave up its soul to Donald Trump. The Democratic Party is still kind of fighting between the progressive wing and the more moderate wing to see who will eventually kind of rule and if they can both coexist together. Unfortunately, the Republican Party just caved into Trump, and you only have a couple of people left who are kind of that moderate Republicans left. So. You think it's, that's... Um,
1: And so you're insinuating that if Trump comes and says, I want to run for president.
0: They're all going to drop out except for maybe a moderate candidate like a John Kasich or an Adam Kinzinger. But yes, every moderate to Nikki Haley, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, um, they're all going to bow out if Trump decides to run. Why? Because they all want to uh, eventually inherit his electorate when they in 2024 sorry in 2028
1: so they're gonna let someone that they know is a disastrous person of a president get elected correct so that they can get elected down the road
0: right and Nikki Haley he's Trump if he runs again will not be taking Pence as a VP he will probably go with one of them and one of them probably would want be potentially be his vice president mm. I mean it's 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 really unfortunate. I really I I I think it's a um I think it's a big issue. Um I really hope Donald Trump decides not to run again. Yeah and then, and, then, and you have to see if Biden even runs again. I mean 24 is going to be one of the most fascinating elections. Um I mean every election seems fascinating nowadays. 16 was 20 was 24 really because you have a sitting president who may not run again, and you have the former president who might or might not run again. We haven't had a former president run after losing since Teddy Roosevelt.
1: And if Biden steps down, then then Camilla Harris is a Democratic nominee?
0: Mm, people could run against her, but it's highly, highly, highly likely that the sitting, she will definitely have the best chance and be the most likely candidate. I'd say she'd probably have an 80% chance to get the nomination if he doesn't run again.
1: Lyndon Johnson won. Did he win the elections? After? He won
0: in 64. but He so was he already the win. sitting president, but then he decided not to run for election in 68.
1: But he did win after inheriting. The president. After
0: inheriting it from Kennedy. Correct. But Teddy mm-hmm. Roosevelt won in nine, 19- took over in 1901 for William McKinley. Then he won the 1904 election. Um, He then served until 1909 and then Taft became president. He gave Taft his support. And then in the election of 1912, Teddy decided to run again because there was no, again, there was no term limits then. And he thought Taft was doing such a bad job. And he actually came in second, um, beat Taft. Taft running for reelection came in third. Woodrow Wilson won. And literally it was the last time a third party candidate beat one of in the electoral college, be one of the first two candidates, one of the major two party candidates. So what year was that? 1912.
1: That was the last time that happened.
0: The last time a third party candidate finished above a Democrat or Republican in the electoral college. (laughs)
1: Um...
0: And that is history of the day with Steven Mitzner.
1: So, in, and all of that is driven by ego and even like what you we were saying in terms of like people not running against Trump just so that they have a better chance of winning down the road, which I get. And, you know, I get it from a strategic perspective, but then and I also,
0: at- and also they're pretty convinced he's got such a loyal and devoted following that they're convinced that they're probably not going to win. So if you're or highly, highly likely not to win, if you're highly likely not going to win, Trump has done the craziest, most outlandish crap any president's ever done, and he still won the election in 2016. So they, making the correct political political calculation, think that they have no chance to beat him. and they're And they're probably right.
1: Well, on that note, on the undefeatable politicians, Naftali Bennett went to the UN on Erev Chag on Monday and spoke to the General Assembly about the state of Israel in the Middle East. And the speech itself was very interesting. What I thought was more interesting was on Facebook, after the speech under his profile, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the former Israeli prime minister who was deposed by Bennett posted a picture of the general assembly and how empty it was and said, and started bashing on Naftali Bennett, how like this is what happens when a prime minister is a prime minister without any actual seats in the, in the parliament. And, you know, you look at that at first and you're just like, well, you're just a nasty human being. Like, that's just like, why, why post that? But the other thing is, as with anything, there's always context and, Bennett is an Orthodox Jewish, I think the first sitting Orthodox Jewish prime minister in the Correct. state of Israel. And, and this was the slot that he was given that wasn't on one of the Jewish holidays. Right? I think he was, there were probably other slots available to him, but they would have been on the holiday. So he refused to the speech then. And as a result of him speaking on Monday, he wasn't able to be back in Israel for the holidays. So he had to spend the holiday in New York.
0: Mm-hmm. And he made
1: that sacrifice, so he chose the bad talking slot he, to stay true to his ideals and his beliefs. And then meanwhile, his you know fellow statesman in Israel uses that opportunity to, to post. And the other piece of context, which I wasn't aware of, was that this was also on the, again, because this was a time slot that he was able to be here with the Jewish holidays, uh, many of the delegates had gone, but had left. And many of them were on Zoom. And so the emptiness of the hall wasn't representative an accurate representation of anything other than him being true to his values and not prioritizing his own ego and his own need to be in front of as many people as possible while, you know, in, in lieu of his beliefs. And um, I thought he spoke well, I thought he represented Israel well, but I was so, you know, that's like literally days after Yom Kippur and you're the, former prime minister of the state of Israel and just being so nasty and negative and like, and you just sort of misinformed anyways. And you know, you're, you're omitting all the context. Mm
0: -hmm. No, (sighs) it's, um, Israeli politics are very dirty. I give Naftali Bennett a ton of credit for, for kind of sticking true to his belief system and, and literally, he is the first modern orthodox prime minister in Israeli history. Um, and it's, um, um, it's, it's pretty, pretty impressive to, to do that. If you could send me a copy, I'd love to watch his speech. So um, if you could find it online, I haven't yep. seen
1: it yet. So I'll send it to you. And, and by the way, yeah, this is the guy who formed a unity government with his yeah. opponents.
0: No, very very impressive yeah
1: I, I i like him a lot i mean yeah he, he didn't get a lot of votes but yet people still in the government had enough faith to say let's put this guy who you know didn't necessarily get the most popular votes but we have faith in as a prime minister to properly serve our country so it's, it was so it was and it was a good speech i'll send you the speech it was it was a good one um, so, I just wanted to say, like, you know, shame on Netanyahu for, you know, just acting in such a, a mean way and doing it during the time of the Jewish holidays right after Yom Kippur just to serve his purpose. I mean, I just, anyone that, anyway, whatever, just causing strife during the period around Yom Kippur amongst Jews, just to me, anyone that does that it's just a very inappropriate
0: i mean it was a lot it was after it but i hear what you're saying
1: we just finished yom kippur like yeah literally... Israeli
0: really politics you take one day off you take yom kippur off and then it's right back to work yeah it's not like and... you criticized them on yom kippur
1: <laughs> yeah that's true yeah you're so you're giving him the benefit of the doubt
0: yeah just because they're all politicians i mean you can't keep them at the same standard you would a normal person. <laughs> that's true.
1: That's true. Yeah. Well, that can be a focused topic. We can have a whole podcast on Hillary Clinton, um, but that's a separate conversation. Uh,
0: you just want to be really careful about that because you might piss some people off. So, and then, the, and, and, uh, and, 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 and and you don't want the snowflakes to have an issue. So.
1: Oh man. I love snowflakes. Every one of them is slightly different and yet so beautiful. <laughs> Oh wait, are you not talking about snow? Oh, I get it. I'm sorry, misunderstood.
0: Well, speaking ah. of people who are definitely not a snowflake, um, M&M opened up a restaurant in Detroit. Um, I saw this as an amazing article and one of the best names I've ever heard of a restaurant. What it is called, Mom's Spaghetti, um, literally from his famous song in the movie Eight Mile, um, um, Lose Yourself. Um, which is the famous line, Mom's Spaghetti. So they opened up a restaurant, Mom's Spaghetti, and he actually served the first 10 Kess, um Mom's Spaghetti. It's what they serve. Spaghetti and meatballs, spaghetti and vegan meatballs in downtown Detroit. It's kind of a grab-and-go window. I think grab-and-go pasta is a great idea if it's done well. Um, <laughs> kind of love that idea. Um, and if I never find myself in Detroit... Mom's spaghetti with vegan meatballs, who knows, could be a possibility. Um, maybe they'll get Hashkaha. Now, that would be funny if m and picture of Eminem and m the rabbi giving mom's spaghetti hashkaha. That would be really funny. Um, but
1: <laughs> I would say that's extremely unlikely.
0: Hey, it's 2021, man. Anything can happen. That's um, a
1: great piece <laughs> of random information, though. I did not know that. And now yeah. when, you, when I saw the topic, I'm like, are we going to start rapping? Is this going to be a deep dive into why 8 Mile is like a defining film for,
0: you know? I thought it was such a bad movie. <laughs> I was literally like, that's it. He wins the rap battle. Like, I understand it was supposed to be like the beginning of what made Eminem, Eminem. I just thought it didn't make for a great movie. Um, and I thought the best part was lose yourself during the, the credits. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> um I, i'd probably have to rewatch it again but it's also i feel like he talked it wasn't like you had no idea about eminem's history he talked about it a ton and it's in his music a lot so for me it was like none of this was surprising me plus um, they
1: changed it they changed around like different yeah, pieces sure, of the timeline. Of
0: yeah um for what made a best movie which i thought was pretty mediocre so
1: yeah, um, I I, w- I liked it because I was just a fan of Eminem, and I liked the music, and I liked sort of seeing that life in Detroit. Um, but it was definitely not um, Oscar-worthy.
0: Yeah. Well, the song, I thought, was. But was I mean,
1: yeah, no, that for sure. And it's cool, so that's amazing. So he, I I'm, I, like that, that he did that at... Um, I would definitely love to try yeah. that one day. Now, again, I, ha- I don't, I have no I don't know if he Detroit. really
0: owns it or not. Or Yeah, I have no plans to go to Denton, Detroit. I actually have a friend who lives there and tells me to come. Now maybe I actually have to. I'd be like, oh, you're coming to visit me. So nice. I'd be like, no, I'm here for Mom's Spaghetti. Mom's Spaghetti. Um, and the last random thing, you put the topic there, so I will allow you to introduce it.
1: So I wanted to ask you about purpose Uh, what what you view your purpose as because it's one of these areas that you know we're coming i maybe you've thought about it earlier in life right but it's an i feel like it's a topic that's coming up now more and more in in conversations that i'm having and also i'm just thinking like purpose like what is purpose and mm. you know why why do you do the things you do and what's motivating you and what is that sort of the goal and purpose is really when, I, when i've spoken to other people about this they'll give me a whole battery of things when i say what's your purpose but purpose is singular
0: right? i have i literally was going to answer you with i have one guiding purpose rather than a whole battery of things that a lot of other people say because i exactly know what you're talking about and I think a lot of people would give you a whole battery of things is because they don't truly know what they think their purpose is. I'm convinced the more people tell you of different things they think their purpose is, the more is that they really don't know their purpose or or they think, oh, I have all these different things. But no, I, I agree with you. I think it's one defining thing. And for me, that thing is that we are the bridge from the previous generation to the next generation. It's our job to learn and Gather as much information, knowledge, history, um, um, expertise from the previous generation, learn it for ourselves, and then impart it on the next generation, both positively and negatively. Take the best things from them and the worst things of, from them, try to live our lives that way, and then pass it on to the next generation. And then hopefully they do the same. Um, here, we are just a link in a very, very long chain of history, and it's just our job to kind of do the best job we can of ensuring what we think is the best thing for our children and their children and starting that, that I think is our purpose and my purpose.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's similar to mine, which is leave the world a better place and but, but my, but the reason it's similar is because my approach to that is basically very, is exactly what you said, you know, learn from the past traditions and values, implement them in my life today to live as a model so that our children in the future do it better and, yeah. um, and keep that moving forward. So and,
0: yeah and this, there are a lot of other things I want to accomplish sure. in my life and, Sometimes I've exceeded my expectation of them, sometimes I've failed on them. And if I accomplish it, great, not, but my real purpose, if I fail my purpose, which isn't making sure that my kids aren't better off and more learned, like if I never accomplish a couple of the things I want to, fine. But if I fail them, then I will have failed. So yeah. even, even if I don't accomplish everything I set out to and what I think maybe my purpose is in terms of my career or personal life or anything else as long as the next generation can do better, then I feel like at least I've fulfilled my main purpose.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And, and from there you can extract moments of happiness yeah. and joy and experiences, but yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And it's, and you're hundred percent right. You know, when people are gone more of a rant of all the different things they want to do, it's, it's because to them, I I don't even think it's. I don't necessarily even think that it's that they don't know what their purpose is. I think it's more that they're, you know, they're they're not, they're not. They know what their purpose is, but they don't know how to go about doing it. Like it's just.
0: Or, or, but like, like, leaving the world a better place is—it's. I agree. It's definitely one of the things I'd like to accomplish, or whatever. But it's so generic. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, I think leaving the world a better place would be to help out in technology and try to make sure that we just move further and further into space, with setting up permanent space stations and then permanent outposts maybe on the moon and Mars and and whatever. But I know myself that I'm not currently in that industry. I don't know if I'm prepared to to. To do that, but my purpose is hopefully to teach my kids about it, and maybe they want to go into it one day. Like, I just because I even think that a purpose of mine might be to kind of try to help humankind one day, however, that is possible. A lot of people do it as helping out save the earth. I, I think there's a lot of great purposes for people to try, but just because you don't do it yourself doesn't mean that you've not fulfilled your purpose.
1: Well, that's that's why I say leave the world a better place and do that by producing children that will continue to add and build on and it, it right? doesn't
0: and it doesn't excuse us from not doing our, our 100
1: but that's but, not that's but what's that's funny like, is if you ask day-to-day. somebody
0: their purpose that has no children it would be very interesting to me to what they say they must then leave that all i mean if they think it's to make a world a better place then it's all squarely in their shoulders and they only have their lifetime to accomplish it like i assume if you don't have kids And when you pass away, you haven't accomplished what you wanted to, then you really have failed. There's no even hope because again, um, I think that that linkage to the next generation is amazing. It is to have children. It's also helpful in trying to create your purpose.
1: And by the way, just as as a side point, right? Like putting into context, that's completely, you know, hypothetical, but like, I don't necessarily think, I don't know if any of my children will be astronauts, right? But I do know that one of my children aspires already to be a heart surgeon. And so who knows, maybe she figures out some either treatment that enables space travel to go further or saves someone's life who becomes an astronaut, right? Like, So as long as they're doing things that are like being contributed members to a community and a society as a whole that enables us to leave the world a better place. If we raise selfish kids that just want to, you know, fend for themselves and not care about... Or
0: just try to amass the most amount of money.
1: Yeah, and with no concern for community, no concern for the broader good, then that's mm-hmm. not good. That's a that's a fail. So purpose, yeah, like purpose is to leave the world a better place. I do that by investing in and focusing on producing quality children. That just remember realities. your daughter you is 10...
0: Uh, just tell her she should definitely keep her options open it's great that that's her goal but make sure that she knows that there's tons of other things too not that it's that she i don't knows. think she could do it but yeah i would just uh, 10 year old me wanted to be a professional basketball player that did not turn out
1: well i think it's more likely that become becomes a heart surgeon oh, than you I ever become an nba then you ever would have become an nba player. oh yeah
0: i think that those odds are very almost <laughs> almost infinitely better but yeah. as an example, um, but yeah, that's amazing that she thinks she already knows what she wants to accomplish.
1: Yeah. it's uh, I don't know where she got it. she that That's not for me, but um, I get a lot of... I'm proud I of I think
0: her. I would like, pass out if I saw a human heart.
1: Yeah, she thinks it's the coolest thing. Yeah. So I'm going to see if I can get her into some live heart surgery before she's like 12. <laughs>
0: oh, boy. Best of luck with that. Anyway... I I think this is kind of a good place to end it. We're just hitting about just about an hour now. so Um.
1: Yeah, I think so. So tomorrow is the – well, I guess today already on the East Coast. it's October 1. Start of the new quarter.
0: Yeah, God, I hope it's better than the last quarter.
1: Amen. I I do. Oh, I'll I'll throw in one last prediction in the last 50 seconds we have. I have a – this is like a gut something based on very little but a little bit. That by like april in the united states at least that to a certain extent we put covid to rest
0: god i hope so
1: but that's but yeah, uh
0: that's kind of what i've been hearing also so let's let's hope that, that i haven't heard that comes from anyone from.
1: i've just been reading and that's sort of what i've drawn together but yeah to after the that. winter
0: yeah because once the warm weather comes people will be outside hopefully it'll the spread will go down well, I also um,
1: think Delta just between Delta and vaccinations, yeah. I think we've covered. At least yeah, I think everybody
0: kind of will either have been vaccinated or have gotten
1: COVID. some form of herd immunity. Yeah. Mazel. All right. Night night, Mr. Mitzner.
0: Have a good night. Peace Don't out, everybody. Don't forget to publish it. I won't. <laughs> Bye.
1: <laughs>